Before, if I could have John Julson come up. Hey, everybody, welcome John Julson. He's a little nervous, but, um, you know, we've been on this thing where God is just stirring our hearts, and there's been some repenting going on, and lots of things and changes in people's lives. It's powerful. It's exciting. And uh, John's just going to share a testimony of what the Lord, uh, and the reason we're doing this, people, we need to hear what God's doing in people's lives. Amen. It's the power of the testimony, and I tell you what, if you're not engaging your heart in this journey of repentance, you're, mo- you're missing out on some freedom. And I just hope this really challenges you just to seek the Lord on what is the Lord dealing with your heart on. And look what God did in John. John, we love you and we bless you. Okay, just to let you know, I'm going to cry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but first before I start, just Isaiah 61 just keeps coming out. For all of us, just challenge everybody, the spirit of the sovereign God is upon us to preach good news, to bring liberty to the captives and freedom to the poor. So, uh, I wrote this out because I know I'll forget a ton if I didn't. First, I'm honored to be part of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our church. Ever since New Covenant has started this message of reset equals repentance, God has been moving in some amazing ways. There's been two accounts that I know of where Jesus has sent text messages. I mean, it, that, that's, that's just amazing. So Jesus does text message. Um, there's also, I know someone that keeps getting waking up in the middle of the night with an angel visiting the room. So it just reinforces more and more what John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's just one of the things you start seeing where repentance breaks a veil between us and the Lord and the Holy Spirit moving. And when you get that, when you see that, when you repent from stuff that you've done, generational curses even, you start walking into that and walking into the Spirit and seeing the Lord move in mighty ways. Oh. With that being said, here's my journey of repentance. As many of you know, I came from the great white north of Minnesota. Uh, back in 99, fresh off of being at YWAM Discipleship Training School, I was looking at going to a school of biblical studies to pursue being a pastor. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow, it gets thick up here. I'll tell you what. Oh. I was gung-ho and cash short. Though uh, Through a series of events, my dad, Alger, in case you didn't know, uh, Became engaged to a woman here in Newcastle, not Connie. All right. So I went where the food was and moved down with my dad in 99. The lady had some kids. At times, we'd spend the night. And the one night, I felt like the Lord said to me, I was not going to live in that house. So I'm like, great. I'm homesick. I'm going back up north. I'm going elsewhere. Growing up, I went to like six different schools growing up. So you learn not to attach yourself to people because you're going to get up and leave. Uh, and during this time was a real stretching time. And dad, my dad, in all his wisdom, he didn't put it quite this way, but he learned, he, I was, I was going home to try to be full-time ministry from the get-go. And my father, in all his wisdom, um, 
basically said, look, love Jesus and get a job, which is great advice for you young men. All right, you want to get married? Love Jesus, get a job. Ladies, if you want a man, make sure he loves Jesus and has a job. <laughs> uh, actually, I do have it written. I'll put it in later. <laughs> Um, over the next 14 years, I was on the lookout in what city to move to. This was just a temporary stopping point for me. I even told my wife while we were dating, look, we're moving back up north to Minnesota. That's where my, my heart was. I was even starting to look for other cities, Seattle to be part of Mars Hill, Charlotte to be part of Morningstar, Kansas City to be part of the IHOP movement, but not here. You can even ask my wife. Every time I go to the fairgrounds, I cry at seeing poverty people are in. But yet, turning a blind eye to people just a few blocks from my house. I hardened my heart to Newcastle, living here 14 years and harshly judging people around me with the attitude they need to clean up their act. It wasn't until the message, Reset Equals Repentance, did the Lord start to soften my heart. During this message series, I also started to listen to the book Royalty by Chris Walton. I highly recommend it to everybody. In the, short, in, the story, uh, in the book, they shared a story about prayer walking in Lewiston, California. That was a wake-up for me because I went to school in Lewiston, Minnesota. God then showed me how he can move and turn the heart of a city plagued by drugs, plagued by a visionless youth, exercising if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. He can turn a city. God broke my heart and showed me that the city of Newcastle can be turned from what some people have declared as the bud of Indiana to God's glory. In another story, Chris Fulton shared how he was concerned with just his own ministry and wasn't wanting to be in covenant with his pastor, Bill Johnson. The Lord convicted Chris to be in covenant with Bill, saying, I will serve you the rest of my life. Chris did this. And then the Lord convicted my heart, my attitude towards Tom and Eric about not wanting to submit to their leadership. Keeping them at arm's length. The Lord convicted me so much that on February 23rd, I pulled them aside and I went to this back room. I fell on my knees and on my face asking for their forgiveness, for shutting them out for having a hard heart towards them and this city. And I even asked for your forgiveness as a church body, for hardening my heart towards you and shutting you up. We love John, don't we? Will you? Yeah. <clears throat>
Will you forgive him for not loving our city like he's supposed to? Amen. But you heard that, I'm sure. And so in the name of Jesus, John, we forgive you. We release you from your hard heart, from your unwillingness to submit and to be a son, spiritual son that we have always seen you as. And I bless you today, John. I thank God for you. And I pray for increase, for fruitfulness, God, for, for vision to be upon you, John. I thank you for the work of God that's happening in your life, John, and your wife, the growth that's come to both of you in so many ways. We release you from the sin and we pronounce a blessing upon you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, John. Watch out, Newcastle. Here he comes. Flip, if you haven't been released, I'm sure you can go now if you'd like. I shared, I think it was last week, maybe uh, two weeks ago, how, um, you know, if God's kind of in this place with us as a church and this revelation of the power of repentance. And so um, I, I kind of started on a, a new, what I believe the next, you know, kind of thing the Lord wanted us to focus on. and. And I still believe he does in the area of increasing our capacity. Um, but I just want to stay where he's at, you know. If he's in this area of repentance, I just want to stay here. And, and so today I just, I want to bring some thoughts, some other, uh, the Lord kind of led me to, to the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and I know that the book of Revelation can seem uh, confusing, it can seem hard to understand, um, but I, th- I feel like there's some things that I'm going to try to pull out that I, that's going to make sense to us. I'm not going to go through the whole book and try to interpret, you know, what the seven trumpets are and the seven seals and who's the Antichrist and, you know, is it Obama? Probably, but we can't prove that. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry for all my liberal Christian friends out there who voted for him. The Lord forgives you. <laughs> oh, that was low. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know, in the front end of the book of Revelation, you know, I, I guess the first thing we kind of, in the front end of, of the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus is speaking to the church. In fact, he addresses um, several specific churches, and he has a message that he brings to each of them. Now, I'm going to focus on just a few of them today, and I'm going to bring it, and again, please just stay with me. Don't tune out. 
don't get bored. Don't get, you know, distracted because God is, is going to offer us something today to be a part of something. That the work that he's doing here is not just for you. That the work that he's doing in this place with individuals as they come to terms with a God who loves and forgives and when we confess our sins and we uh, offer up our hearts in repentance, it doesn't end there. It just begins there. So stick with me. Just hang in. And I, I wanna, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. <clears throat> and we're going to start in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. And so it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. And I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. Now, <clears throat> I've chosen these churches where the, the specific message of Christ, as he addresses the problem in each church, that his, his solution was repentance. And that's what I'm focusing on today. And really what I want to do is I want to kind of synthesize the things that Christ is identifying in each of these churches. Because I believe this isn't just a message to the church in Ephesus. I believe it's a, a message to the church of Jesus Christ. That I think we can, we can actually see that what he's calling these churches to repent to of, he's calling us to repent of. And if I were to synthesize kind of the one, you know, how would I describe what Jesus said in all of this, I would say that what he's, he's calling the church here to repent of is loveless acts of service. Because he says, I, I, I see your hard work. I know your deeds. You're a group of people who are doing a lot of hard, good work. But you forsook your first love. And so he's calling out the, the church at Ephesus here, and he's saying, listen, keep up the hard work, but get in love again. Come back to that place that you were when you first met me, where all of my service comes out of the heart that says, I love, therefore I give. I love, and therefore I serve. And so I believe Jesus is calling the church in Ephesus to repent of loveless acts of service. Now let's keep moving on. Chapter 2, in verse 14. 
And I'm just jumping right. I didn't, I'm not reading the whole passage. But here Jesus, he says this. He says, nevertheless, I have these things against you. You have some people there in your church who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. Otherwise, I will soon come to you and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, just to have kind of a <clears throat> the background of, of what he's talking about here, Balaam and Balak. and Balaam was the king of Moab. And he had called this guy Balaam to come and curse the nation of Israel. He's like, come out. They're, they're wandering in the desert. And I need you to come and just pronounce a curse on them. And if you read <clears throat> the story, you would find that it didn't work. That God actually used Balaam to bless the nation of Israel. And that made Balak really mad. But before, before leaving Balak, Balaam told this Moabite leader that the way he could defeat Israel the way you can overcome them, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the secret, is if you can seduce them to worship Baal by eating foods that were sacrificed to idols and if you can get them to commit sexual immorality. So he, he didn't do the cursing, but he taught, he gave him Here's how you're going to defeat the people of God. It's the simple tool of idolatry and sexual immorality. And so what did he do? Well, that's exactly what he did. And so the people of Israel began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. And they began to invite people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and they bowed down to the gods of the Moab nation. And so Israel became joined to Baal of Peor. And it says that the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel. And so when Jesus is talking to the church here and he's saying... Um, you know, he's condemning the way of Balaam. And, and the New Testament speaks about this thing of the way of Balaam being um, this thing of, of greed and money to tempt the people of God and to compromise in their moral standards. So if we were to synthesize this one down, What's, what's Christ calling us to repent of as a church? He's, he's calling us to, to repent of compromise, of committing idolatry and adultery with the world. He's like, he, told the, he told the king, get them to, to enter into the culture 
of your nation, and it will defile them, and you'll be able to defeat them. And I tell you what, the churches right now, we are inundated with a culture that's not from heaven. We are full of compromise. Full of it. We are more of a reflection of a culture than a, 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 a distinction of it. There is very little difference between how we live and how the world lives. I mean, this is about it. They're just sleeping in today. Some of you kind of got up a little early. That's it. And so Jesus is coming to his church and he's saying, I'm calling you to repent of your compromise. Now, now he's not saying go around and start acting holier than thou and being, you know, looking down your nose at people who live sinful lifestyles, but he's saying quit acting like you're a heathen. Quit acting like you don't know God. Let's keep moving. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. This is a message, says to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write this. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. And by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. There it is again. And eating food sacrificed to idols. Now, I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead and then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, this is the words of Christ. This is Jesus. Everybody say, that was Jesus. And these are his words, not to a heathen people, not to pagan, godless people. These are words to his church. And I think if we were to synthesize this down, it would be repent of sexual immorality and idolatry. I mean, this seems to be a big deal for God. Repent. Turn from it. Don't live in it any longer. Because I'm coming. I'm coming for you. He's coming back for us, church. 
He's returning. So repent of sexual immorality and idolatry. Let's keep moving. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write this. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, and you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Wake up. If I were to synthesize this one, I think you would agree that Christ is calling us to repent of disobedience and spiritual apathy. Man, that rings the door at my house sometimes. Disobedience and spiritual apathy. We wonder sometimes how things die in our life. Life comes through obedience. It comes through perseverance and a love for the Lord. Christ is coming to us. He's telling us, repent. Obey what you've heard. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, <clears throat> that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either one or the other. It's because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, and I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So I counsel you to buy from me gold that's refined in the fire so that you can become truly rich and have white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and put salve on your eyes so you can finally see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and do what? Repent. These are the words of a loving God to the object of his affection. You and me, the church of God. 
So if I were to synthesize this one, I would say it's a repentance of pride. You think you have it together. You think you're rich. You think you don't need anything. My friends, that's pride. Gross pride. Sick. Nasty. And so Christ is coming to his church of Laodicea and he's saying, repent of your pride and get some real wealth in your life. Gold that comes from me, that's been through the fire, that's been refined, some white clothes to put on, not those filthy rags that you think are great clothing. And then put some stuff on your eyes so you can see like I see things. He wants us to look at this world through his eyes. He wants us to see our wealth for what it really is. But when we're blinded by pride, we cannot see how he sees. We cannot treat the things he's given us the way he wants us to treat them. Now, there's another <clears throat> scripture that talks about what life is going to be like in the last days. And this is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. says, mark this, meaning this is absolutely, you can put this, you can write this down, put it on a calendar. This is going to happen, and it's not really a stretch, because <laughs> I believe we're there now. Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible, terrible times. Not bad hair days. <laughs> not, you know, I had a bad week. Terrible times are coming. And here's why. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. They'll be boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful and unholy and without love. Unforgiving and slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous and rash and conceited and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And they will have a form of godliness, but they will be denying the power. And here's another one of those hard statements. Have nothing to do with them. Now, I believe you could take this scripture and you could take all these words and break them down and actually fit them with the words of Jesus and what he's called the churches to repent of in, in the book of Revelation. Right? So we went to the first church and it was to repent of loveless acts of worship or loveless acts of service. Right? Well, he just tells us here that there's going to be people without love and not lovers of the good. I believe that fits right in there. In chapter 2, verse 14, we were to repent of compromise and committing adultery with the world, right? I believe lovers of money fall right into that. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. 
How about in Revelation 2.18, it said, Repent of your sexual immorality and your idolatry. I believe that abusiveness is in there, unholy, without self-control, fits right in there. And when Jesus said, repent of disobedience and spiritual apathy, I believe disobedient to parents and being rash and lovers of pleasure all fit right in there. And then the longest list is the repent of pride. And it's because the sin of loving ourselves, being boastful, being proud of ungrateful, unforgiving. Those are all the fruit of pride. Being slanderous, talking mean about people. You can't do that if you're not full of pride. Brutal and treacherous and conceited. All those sins that are going to be evident in the last days, Christ has come to tell his church, it's time to get rid of this stuff. It's time to deal with this stuff now. It's time to get rid of this. It's time to clean house. Now listen, it's important for us to give our attention to the statements in the book of Revelation. And one reason I believe is that it's important that we should concern ourselves with is... Is, is the fact that the book of Revelation is a book about how the end of the world comes about. That's the big picture of the book of Revelation. It is the sewing up of humanity. Human history is coming to its apex. And if we were to read the rest of the book of Revelation, we would see that's a story of how God wraps it all up for us. And... And everybody, but especially us, the church. And one of the things the Bible teaches us is that Jesus is coming back for a kind of church, a very specific kind of church. It's a pure church. It's a spotless church. It's a holy church. It's a set-apart church. Not a I'm better than you church but I'm set apart for something better. That's the church he's coming. The Bible says he's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Now, you can't just join a group of people and and not deal with your stuff and we be a pure, spotless, mostly church. Well, we're an 80% mostly spotless church, so that's got to be good enough for God, right? Is that what he's coming back for? Like a 75 percenter? No, he's not. He's coming back for a 100% wholehearted church. And if we were to take that truth and we were to look again at the first three chapters in the book of Revelation, we can see that this message that Christ is speaking to all these churches is he's trying to prepare us. He's preparing the church. So he puts it in the front of the book because of the wrath that's coming, because of the plagues, because of the seals, because of the trumpets, because of the the nations raging against God. In the very front of that book, he said, get ready. Be holy. Repent. 
Get yourself in the right position so that you can withstand what's about to happen in the earth. When, he's t- when Jesus is speaking to his church in Revelation, he's telling them, get ready, because I'm coming back for you. A spotless bride. You see, the second time that Christ comes back, he's not coming back for salvation. He's coming for judgment. So his message is repent. His message to a lost world is So I need to I want to connect some dots to help us see our part in this. Because this is we all have a part to play in this. Everyone in this room and even the ones who've already left. <laughs> they have a part too. In each message that Jesus addressed he addresses it to the angel of the church at Ephesus or the, the angel of the church in Sardis, right? Now, when you look at that word angel in the Greek, it is this word angelos. And what that word actually means, it just simply means messenger. And here's another interesting fact. <clears throat> When Jesus speaks about John the Baptist, he uses that same word when he refers to him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. This is John the Baptist. And he says, what did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my angelos my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. So in the New Testament, the word angel, angelos, means the same thing as messenger. So let's connect the dots. The Bible says that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, right? came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord. And what was John's message? I can't hear you. It was repent. It was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John was a messenger. He was an angelos. To prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah. In fact, Jesus is quoting Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 when he was talking about John. He says, 
that says, See, I will send my messenger who will pre- prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. That was John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord. But let's keep reading in Malachi, down in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace, all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked, and they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my, my servant Moses, the, the, decre, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with the curse. Now, I know that's a lot of scripture. So what we're we're getting a picture of in this passage is that in the last days, there's going to be another messenger who comes in the spirit of Elijah, just like John the Baptist did. Do you see these are two time frames? Malachi 3 verse 1 is I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way for the Messiah. And now he's telling us in the last days, I'm also going to do the same thing like John. And the second job, the second messenger's job is going to be much like John's of preparing the way for the second coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Are we all tracking? Are the dots being connected? Okay. It's important. And here's the message that's going to come forth from this, this anointed messenger of Elijah, of the spirit of the, the, the spirit of Elijah. It's going to be turning hearts. He said, hearts of fathers to children, hearts of children to fathers. What does repentance mean? Let's hear that again. Turn. Turning. I'm going one direction and I'm just, repentance means I went a new way. Repentance means turning from our sin, turning to the Father. Repentance is about turning Hearts. So let's connect some more dots. John was called a messenger, an angelos. And his message was repent for the kingdom of God is near. John came in the spirit of Elijah. In the book of Revelation, the messengers are called angels. When he says to the angel, he's saying to the messenger of this church. Do you understand that? 
They're called angels. But who they are, they're messengers. And they're told, speak the message of repentance. Go to my church. I mean, why would God need to talk to a dude on the earth to convey a a message to the angels like right next to him? You know, the the wing-flapping kind, you know. I, I mean, really, what's the logic in that? Hey, John, tell this guy over here to tell the church down there. He's talking about men. He's talking about women, the voices of the church on the earth. And since the book of Revelation is all about the second coming of Christ, we can be safe to say that the message of repentance from the messengers or the angels is to prepare the church and the world for the second coming of Jesus. To prepare the church to be Christ's pure and spotless bride. And what we call that ministry, this isn't in the Bible, it's just a term that's in the body of Christ. But that ministry that goes and prepares the way for the Lord, it's called forerunner ministry. It's it's those who go first. And they prepare the way. They share and they speak a message. And I want you to know that it's one of the many callings that's on this church. God has called us at New Covenant to be a forerunner people. To go ahead, to blaze trails, to prepare the way of the Lord. We are a forerunner church. And my message today is that God is calling us to share and spread the message of love and repentance to the nations. So that we can finally start to do our part in reaching the greatest harvest of souls that's ever yet to come. But before we can spread the message of love and repentance, we have to live it. And that's where we are right now. We are becoming a people who who live in love and walk in repentance. Jesus is coming. Very soon. Very, very soon. And he's coming for a clean, pure, spotless bride. He is coming for a church that has repented of what we were and what we've done. He's coming for a humble church. He's coming for a church that lives by faith. In the name and blood of Jesus alone. We are a last day's people. And God's calling us to share a last day's message.
message of repent for Jesus is coming soon. We must take seriously the call that's on our lives. We must take seriously the call to go out and to call all people everywhere to come to the heart of Abba, to turn their hearts to him. Children, turn your heart to Abba. His love has come to make us brand new kind of people. His love transforms us from being the enemies and haters of God into wholehearted, radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. And that's who we were, haters, enemies of God. Not just ignorant, I didn't get him or I didn't even believe in him. There's no middle ground on this. That's the power of repentance when it's mixed with the love of God. Completely transforms us. And Jesus is the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. So I just feel like the Lord's saying, will we be messengers? That's the practical application. Will you be a messenger? Are you going to cower in this building because they don't like us? Because we're now a post-Christian culture in America. Are we going to be afraid and watch them go to hell? We can't. I can't. The love of God's too powerful. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray. We are the messengers. We are the messengers to the church and to the world. Will you accept that mantle and that call? Just lift your hands to the Lord if you're saying yes this morning. Yes, Lord. I will be a voice. I will go in the, the spirit and the anointing of Elijah to turn the hearts of disobedient children to their father. Father, we need help. We need power. We need a, a, a greater revelation of love. We need obedience. And we need repentance to continue and to run its, its, its work through us, God.
Lord, when we call these people to repent, it's not because we were better than you. It's because we've tasted something. We've received something that was totally free. Help us with the message, God. Help us with the message. Give us courage. Let us be bold. As we take back our culture, as we conform it to the culture of heaven, as we seek to infiltrate, God, business and education and entertainment. God, let our message be a loving call to repentance. Anoint us today, Father, to not be afraid. You said we would have trouble. God, strengthen us to face it with love and faith and hope. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit that's here today. We need that work on Monday morning when we go to work, when we go to school. Help us, God. We're desperate for you. Revival starts in our own hearts, God, and then we carry it to a dying world. We bless you. We love you. Just tell them you love him. Just tell him you love him, you need him, you're desperate for him. You are so good. You are so good, Father. We just honor you. We just honor you, we honor you, we honor you. Save us from ourselves, Lord. presence be thick upon us, Father, as we go from this place today. We're called to transform a generation, Lord. You've called us, Lord, to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God from the next generation. A generation who will love deeply who will serve sacrificially and who will go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people everywhere to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, that is our mission. That is our call. Give us the faith and courage to walk it out in Jesus' name. Thank you for your work today, God. We bless you. Just again, I say thank you for all that you're doing. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar team will be up here if you need extra prayer for any needs today. God bless you and have a great day.